Hello, everyone, and welcome to the World's OKest Mountain Bike Podcast, special edition. And what makes it special? Well, Ryan's not on here. Missing Ryan. I guess that makes it less special, but this is going to be a little different. We don't have so much of general topics to talk about, but Kyle and I got new bikes, and we got basically the same exact bike almost. And so we are going to do a bike review. We're going to do comparison to our old bikes, all that sort of good thing. Uh, and this podcast is also comes complete with Clint got new internet. So hopefully it won't crash. <laughs> Hooray. The, my, my upload speed is light years better than my old upload speed. Uh, my old upload speed, I used to barely get at best two megabytes per second upload at, at the best of times. Oh and now it's consistently every time I run a test, it's in like the 40s. So, well, there we go, podcast away. Yeah, hopefully our we won't have any major hiccups like last time. Although this time you might hear my children in the background somewhere crying, screaming. Like now, I don't know if you can hear that, Kyle. Can you hear that? Definitely. Well, that's okay. It's just gonna add character. It's what this is what you <laughs> get, people. You get what you pay for. It's uh, okay. It's mountain bike podcast. Right. We never claim to be the best. Nope. So anyway, Kyle, I made a few notes <clears throat> about our builds. Now, people who listen to the podcast will know that we both got carbon stump jumper Evos of yep. varying builds. And so, so why, don't, why don't you go through, tell me, you know, quickly ish, what model you got, what parts are on it. Uh, size, all that good stuff, and then I'll just to let everyone know exactly what you've got. All right, so I this year picked up a 2022 model year Stump Jumper Evo Expert. So I probably would have rather have done the Pro, um, but it, it wasn't available at the time, and I saw a window of opportunity to snag the Expert in a uh, S4 size. So I'm I'm five foot eleven with short legs, long torso, and I prefer a longer reach. So I went with the S4, and I, I think I'm still pretty happy that I did. Um, and then, <clears throat> kind of just to keep up with spec with kind of the stuff that I've been riding over the past few years, I changed a few things around. So I swapped out the Fox Fork, which was a very legit nice Fox Fork. Um, but I, I I did end up going with a Zeb. Um, I went with a Zeb on my last bike. And moving from a Fox factory fork to a Zeb was just enormous in terms of performance, uh, especially at speed on chunky and rough stuff. And so I, I didn't really want to lose that. And especially with the 29er chassis just being a bigger bike. Uh, so I went with the Zeb. It's a Zeb 160 Ultimate. Um, and then I threw on a set of Deity. Uh, what are those? Speed? Uh, the Deity, Deity uh, carbon bars and then a Deity copperhead stem, um, which is pretty much just matching the spec of the Pro Bike. So the Pro Bike comes with that Deity copperhead stem and Deity carbon bars. Um, did so you I went get ahead. that stem at uh, 50? Did you get a 50 mil stem? I did a 50. I think the factory stem is actually a 45, um, but from that from that from that stem it's either I think I think they make a 35 mil option and a 50, and so I went I just went 50. And um, then, what else did I change? Oh, then I threw on a set of X01 carbon cranks. Um, 
just to kind of keep the weight down because I've been, I'm a snob and I've been on carbon cranks for like six years. And so I don't see any reason to not be on carbon cranks. Uh, and the only bummer is, is that I am no longer on carbon wheels. So I'm still on the uh, aluminum wheels. However, uh, this is probably an idea for you too, is I did buy the 54 tooth DT Swiss ratchet kit. Um, because it's the ratchet LN hubs on the GT Swiss 370s on those wheels. And so it's 18 teeth of engagement out of the box. Um, and I'm coming from a 108 tooth engagement hub, which I, you know, it's, it's a big difference, like 18 tooth of engagement versus 108 is huge. Uh, and you, you notice it, like when you go to, when you go to put power down on the trail or you do any kind of input on techie stuff, like you notice that it's a, you have a while before you engage. So I went ahead and bought that ratchet kit. Uh, it's actually just sitting in the basement. I haven't even had a chance to install it yet because I'm not as mobile as I normally am. Now, I don't know if my hub, so so I have the 2021 version of the Stump Jumper Evo Expert that I managed somehow to get a new one in no, November or October <laughs> of this year. I don't know how that bike existed in an S3 that's probably... I may be S4, but I would assume S3 is probably their most popular size is right in the it, middle. It, it, yeah, it probably goes back and forth between those two. And somehow, I guess they had one set aside for momentum. Well, and Just it was discounted because it's a 2021, so I jumped on that fast. Uh, it's bone stock, but the, the spec's a little different between the experts. So um, mine came with... X01 trigger and derailleur, but the chain is GX. The cassette, SRAM says it's XG1275, 12 speed, 1052. Is that a G? That's GX. That's GX. I don't know why they call it XG. It's confusing. Um, but so that, that, the drivetrain's all stock. The brakes are stock. I think it's a code RS brakes. Uh, 200 mil rotors, wheels are stock. Uh, it's, they're DT Swiss 360 hubs. I didn't even know okay. DT Swiss makes a 360. Uh, but yeah. I know it's a three Paul. It's a three Paul hub. So I don't know if I could upgrade that or not. I know that the hubs are a little different than what's on yours. You probably could. It would be. It's not as easy. So mine is an actual DT Swiss ratchet. Yeah, um, the new ones came with the ratchet. Like, yeah. Yep. So I can just swap the ratchet out. I think yours, uh, you can actually swap the drive ring. It's a little bit different of a process, though. But so you need a special tool, and you could actually unthread your drive your your drive ring inside your hull your hub, and then replace the driver with uh, a ratchet driver and a ratchet drive ring. But that's it, a lot of work. Yeah, for yeah I'm not going to do that. And here's why: I don't care on these wheels because the stock wheels that are on it, the alloy wheels, I and putting like my heavy downhill tires and casings on and they're going to be my enduro slash shepherd mountain slash downhill basher wheel set right a lot of shuttling or just long sustained climb not too technical it doesn't really matter because right. when i sold my old bike uh the guy i sold it to didn't really have a need for nice carbon wheels because he already had a nice wheel set so I sold him my old basher wheel set on my old bike and kept my Bontrager carbon wheels with that 108 point of engagement upgrade in there. So for just trail riding and long rides on cross-country trails, I have a lighter, nice wheel set with very fast engagement. So I'm set there. Like, I don't even have to worry about it. Um, so 
the other, the only real upgrade, there's two upgrades I've done to mine. Uh, like you, I sold the fork that came on it, which was a Fox 36 Performance Elite, which is a very good fork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a Zeb Ultimate in my possession already. I probably would have just stuck with that fork, uh, especially only at 160 travel. You're not putting as much leverage on it, so I probably would have been happy with it. But having ridden the Zeb Ultimate for a while, uh, I sold that fork, put my Zeb Ultimate on it, lowered it back to 160. And I have to say, for me, maybe it's because I'm on the heftier side of people my height. I love that 38 millimeter stanchion fork. Like it just, no, it is way plusher. And I, I hated how much better it was when I was on it. Cause when I, when I got mine, I went from, I I went a full season on a Fox factory 36. And then the previous seasons of that, I was riding lyric ultimates for like three years straight and then went to a Fox factory. And so the next bike I did, I was with the year the Zeb came out and I was like, well, I'll give that a try. And so I pulled off my, uh, my Fox factory and put the Zeb ultimate on. And I could not believe how much better or how much just different it was. I didn't think, I, I didn't think two mils in the stanchions would make that much of a difference, but man, like you just have so much more control of your steering input at speed. It seemed like it, it seemed like the bike went where you wanted it to go. Like I, I never noticed deflection before, but with that fork, you noticed that you didn't have it. You know what I mean? Like it was never a problem mm-hmm. until I, I had a solution to it. And then it was like, Oh yeah, this is different. Yeah, I have, I mean, I don't have the scientific studies for this, but I think in some situations, a little more flex in the fork can be good for traction in certain movements. But the problem is, I think forks that flex, the tubes kind of can bind on each other because I found the Zeb to be a lot more plush, easy on the hands. Like it, it didn't, it doesn't make my hands go numb and transmit and I don't have to hang on nearly as tight. Cause it's like the bike, like you said, it just goes straight through stuff. Right. That before I had to muscle really through muscle it. it. Um, so I did, I changed that. And then I also swapped and you did this too. We swapped our seat posts from mine came with a 150. Um, I put in a one up brand 180 post and I can use all of that 180 drop and I still have it out of the seat. I mean, I could lower it probably two or three more inches into the seat tube before it, it wouldn't go any farther from where I'm running it. And that has made that extra 30 millimeters of drop has made a huge difference in how fast I'm able to go into big rollers and still soak them up and stay low. I didn't expect this. This was a this was something I I more expected it to make a difference on like maybe things that were kind of want to kick you over the bars. That I haven't really noticed jumping that much, but for example on a flow trail like like at Shepherd on trolley track, uh, when I'm trying to go fast, there's a couple spots where you come out of turns or come down a hill and there's a big roller that's relatively steep. And it's big enough you can't, like, I can't bunny hop over it because it's, like, four feet tall. And I used to break. I'd have to break check coming into them. Or I felt like I was just going to go flying, you know, hook to flat. And now I can commit to just, I don't touch the brakes. And I can soak it up so much easier without the seat getting in my way. 
that I'm able to carry way more speed just because that seat's up out of my way. That's all out of my way. That, so it, while owning the previous bikes that I did, I never had many complaints. Uh, you know, I, I've been riding the best bike ever every, every year for the past seven years. So I've always been very happy. However, the only thing, if you were to ask me that I was unhappy with, with that bike or any of those bikes that I've had over the past seven years have been the seat tube length. Um, because I like the longer reach, I always tend to buy the bigger size bike. So like my legs should have been on a medium, but I always bought a large because I like, I, I like the reach and I couldn't ride. I could, I never felt comfortable on the reach of the medium. So going to the S sizing that specialized does where the difference between an S one and an S six, I think is only three centimeters. That's the only difference in C tube length between all the, all, all those different sizes. It only jumps like a millimeter and a half per size. It's kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's, or no, it, not a millimeter half. It, it, it's like 10, it's like 10 millimeters maybe per size is all that it is. But, tre but like Trek bikes will jump up inches. You know what I mean? And then the XL is a huge C tube or a large is a huge C tube. So now I, so my bike actually came with the one up 180 out of the box because I bought the S4 size. So it came with the 180 and I, I can't, I, my, my, my seat height is I'm not even slammed. I mean, I can slam it, but where I want my pedaling to be, I'm not even slammed. I, I can possibly even run a 200 post uh and then slam it and get to be where i want to be i'm, I'm not, not going to because having the extra I, mean, I think i measured it i think it was another inch and three quarters of seat room underneath me with the seat slam compared to my last bike and it was just it was huge i mean that was such a huge difference in the way that bike can move underneath you which i think is kind of helping compensate for the fact that it's not a, a small wheel bike anymore i'm not you know i'm finally on a wagon wheel bike so it's having that seat tube size has actually done a lot and, and helping that bike still feel playful to me yeah when i first got my bike i i did some stuff where i had i ran the the seat post lower than it really should be for pedaling just for descending just like way down there to see how it was and I had it so low, I'm sure if I got used to it, I'd like it, but it was so low, I didn't like it. Like, I felt like there was no bike between my legs anywhere. I mean, the thing was down, like, you know, below my knees or something, and I'm, it was so low to the point where it's like, where's my bike at? Uh, there's no limit here <laughs> to how it can move. It almost felt kind of unstable, uh, which was probably all in my head. I mean, BMX so. racers, like, they basically run no seat for right. all intents and purposes. So I'm sure it would have been an advantage. But the, the other deal, though, is it's a 29er. You can only squat so low before that wheel is in your butt. And <laughs> I like having enough of a seat just higher than the wheel to give me a warning <laughs> that <laughs> you're about to hit the limit there, buddy. And I've still tire buzzed myself many times. Uh, so... I think I've only gotten myself once, but, but no, I, I've been super happy with it, man. I mean, and, and for many reasons, but I mean, just the, all the benefits of the 29er, which I haven't, I haven't been able to enjoy. You've been on a 29er for many years now, um, but all the benefits of the 29er, you know, it, it is what it, it is what I've always expected it to be, which is faster, more stable, um, and an easier to easier to keep speed on trail. Um, it, without, without a doubt, the, you know, the, 
it, the, the bike takes more input to move underneath you in the air. So that's one thing I do notice between the remedy and my, and the stumpy is that, you know, going from a 27, five bike with carbon wheels to a 29 er with aluminum wheels, like the amount of input that it takes to get the bike to move or kind of to either whip out or kind of tabletop over it's, it's a lot more input required. Um, and I'm kind of just learning how to do that, but the bike still feels incredibly playful. Um, I bought it with the intention of setting up as a mullet. I almost bought the mullet link and the wheel on the same day that I bought the bike. I mean, just like, as I was putting my order in, I was like, I'll buy this all at once. Cause I'm just going to swap it anyways. Um, but I decided not to, um, because yeah, I, I begged you not to, it's like, don't do it. You don't need it. it. And then I talked to Chris, our boy, Chris Wietrich, uh, who is now a Portland resident. But, uh, so I talked to him and he, uh, he was going back and forth. So he, he had gone mullet. He didn't, and then he went back to the 29er, and he's like, yeah, I think 29er is the way to go. So then I didn't, and then shortly after that, he went back to mullet and said, no, he's, a, he's mullet for life now, which, uh, which I still might try someday. But I rode the bike, and it felt so good that I'm so afraid to mess with it. Like, I don't want it, anything about the bike to change in the way that it feels uh, yet, and so I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go mullet yet. I don't, I don't know if I ever will. Yeah. Uh, something, another change I made to mine that we won't talk about yet. We'll, we'll, I'll review it later, but I put a cascade brand link on it, not to make it mullet, but just to make it more progressive, which was what I was really after. It actually increased the travel by eight millimeters as well, but that's honestly, I, I blindfold me and I would not be able to tell you there's any more travel than there was before. But I'll talk about that later. Um, one thing about these bikes is there are six possible geometry configurations. Once you get the bike, uh, the way it's made to be changed between the bottom bracket adjustment, which really they achieve that by you increase your effective chainstay length by like five millimeters or something like that. That's that's the bottom bracket adjust. So at the very back by the axle, there's a flip chip on the chain stay. So that's one place you can adjust the bike. And then the other is it comes with the neutral head cup. And then it also comes with a plus or minus degree angle set head cup in the top. And I was running mine. So if you think of one through six options, one being the slackest and lowest or the slackest, I guess, and then six being the steepest. Uh, I was running mine, I guess you would call it configuration two, which would be the slack it like the slack head tube angle, 63 and a half degrees with the high bottom bracket setting. And I ran that for basically since I got the bike, but I have just now switched it to, I put the neutral head cut back in but I'm running it in the low bottom bracket mode. So basically I steepened the head tube angle by half a degree, but dropped the bottom bracket by five millimeters from where it was. Uh, and, and I'll talk about that later when we get into some of the review, but uh, what setting are you running yours in? So pretty much uh, based on your advice exclusively, I set up slack and high. Yeah. Which is still good. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, like that's if that's how the bike came like that's it like there's no there's not all these adjustments and like this is this is the geometry of the bike right here i would still be super happy with the bike 
Um, and I'm not a mess with it, adjust it, play with it. You, you, you like tinkering and doing all that stuff. Honestly, I just want to get to, I want to get to know the bike and then you just ride it. Uh, Chris, we trick plays with the geometry a lot too. He says, he said he'll actually change flip chips and headset angles, depending on where he's riding. Um, and it can set the bike up for whatever course or whatever trail he's on for the day, which just seems exhausting to me. I've got, I've got too many bikes to manage to do that. Well, we'll see how it goes. I haven't made it out to some real riding with it set up like that, but I did it just because I felt like I couldn't be quite as precise with the front end as I really want to be. Um, so let's with get the, into with uh, the slack head angle. Yeah, it just seemed like that front wheel was just it's just way out there. Okay. And it, I hadn't crashed because of it, right? Like I hadn't done anything where, um, you know, it made me crash or something like that. But I did just feel like that front end. Sometimes it just felt like a little vague. Like I couldn't really feel where it was kind of starting to let go of traction. It just would push, and I just didn't have the feeling in my hands of knowing exactly where that front tire is at all time sounds like me so, let's do a little actual ride review of what these things do well and what they don't do so we'll start with climbing um and i think we're going to there's no way we can really probably do this without implicitly comparing it to our old bikes because that's what we have experience with um but climbing one thing I love about this bike is I've always wanted a bike where I did not feel a real need to be able to flip the shock into a stiffer mode for climbing. And this bike, I still use it sometimes if it's really smooth road or if I know it's going to be really steep and smooth, but finally i feel like there's enough anti-squat built into this bike how they designed it that i can leave the the three position lever on my shock wide open all the time no matter where i'm at and it pedals very efficiently something like what i've always heard people who have or you read reviews about like ibis bikes with those dw links uh, like an Ibis Ripmo. I'm not going to say it pedals as well as an Ibis Ripmo. I don't know. It probably doesn't from all the reviews I read, but I imagine this is more similar to what that's like, where you pedal and you don't sink down in your travel and the thing just goes forward and it doesn't bob a whole lot. No, I, I, and I've noticed the same thing too. Um, I was a little bit more liberal with my climb switch on my last bike, um, mostly just because it was a 27.5 bike and I'm a terrible climber. Um, so I would just go for oh, it. I flip mine on my slash all the time. I mean, the remedy and the slash are very similar. Right. In pedaling characteristics. And the main reason I would flip it, it wasn't so much because of pedaling efficiency. Because once that bike kind of sagged into its point, I felt like the, the the Trek Slash, if I was out for like a cross-country ride that didn't have a lot of steep climbs, I felt like it actually pedaled pretty well if I had the light wheels on. But yeah. 
was never wildly unhappy, but I, but I but I could but I could never ride I could never climb that bike in open. I very rarely ever rode it right. in open. I always rode it I always rode it in trail trail mode, you know, like on the CTD yeah. shock. Oh, I split that switch all the time on my slash because once the grade got just a little bit steeper, the thing would want to like wheelie out on you. Like you, right. I felt like on the slash, I really had to lower my chest and keep the weight over the front wheel because it would kind of sag into its travel and, you know, tight switchbacks and stuff were very tough to keep the front wheel on the ground where it needed to be. And so I would reach for that climb switch just constantly, man. Um, yeah, no, this, this one, man, it just feels like, it, it just feels like you, what you'd want a bike to be. I mean, you know, it's on a bike that you're uh, on a bike like this, that like, it's not a climbing bike, but we're asking it to do a fair amount of climbing. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's definitely a bike that's, you know, you know, in, in the realm of what exists in the mountain world of mountain biking, it's not a climbing bike. Um, but to be able to ride it as if it is, it's really natural. Like the bike just feels like it does what you want it to do when you want it to do it, climbing or descending. And you really don't have to, you don't have to overthink it. Like you can just ride the bike, which is right. nice. You can, just, you can just sit in whatever relaxed body position you want and pedal. And and you don't have to think about, oh gosh, uh, there's a, there's a turn coming up or there's a steep spot coming up. You know, how am I going to manage my weight balance to main tra- maintain traction on the rear wheel without losing the front wheel completely? Because that was something on, on all my old bikes, not just the Slash, but uh, the Intense Carbine, the older one I had before that. Same issue. Um, I would I'd have issues doing that all the time. But this one, it's just like, eh, I can relax. You know, we... You and I rode together at the new Bluffview Trail, and that return climb that we were taking is very steep. It's smooth, so it's not horrible because it's smooth. You know, you're not fighting bumps and chunky rock and stuff. It's very smooth. It's dirt, so there's low rolling resistance, but I never felt like I had to lean over the handlebars just to keep the thing on the ground. No, I didn't either. Uh, and in a side note, too, my 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 five year old also pedaled all the way to the top one time. Oh wow! Yeah, he did. he stood like from 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 the tree, like where you know, like where everybody kind of hangs out at, to kind of double down into that uh, into the berm and then the the step up. Like from that tree, he just stood up and and pedaled all the way up all the way up the hill. He took a couple breaks here and there, but he didn't walk anything. He he you know he he pedaled all the way out, which was impressive so, on a sixteen inch bike. <laughs> To, to summarize, you know, pedaling performance for a bike that's, you know, I guess it'd fall into the all-mountain category. I still think it's an enduro bike. I mean, the the enduro bikes that professionals are actually winning EWS races on, almost the podium usually always has three guys on bikes that have 150-millimeter rear travel. Now, well, a lot no, of times no. they're running bigger forks, but – yeah. But so let's. But what is what is specializes pro guys run? So Cody Kelly races in enduro. No, they, yeah, they run the enduro, which is 170. But Cody Kelly's not top tenning even, or well, he has before, but he's not top threeing EWS rounds either. <laughs> no, probably not. Okay. So like Richie Rude, Jack Moyer, what's his face that rides for Rocky Mountain? Uh, I guess that's a 160 bike. Um, 
but they're not they're not the, the guys that are in that in the podium spots That's, aren't aren't on the big bikes well they're big bike you know for their brand they're the, maybe the biggest bike but they're not 170 180 mil real rear travel right bikes now that being said i mean i'm sure on on certain trails a specialized enduro would you know certainly be better i think for the locals that know powder keg and cannonball you know on those two trails probably a specialized enduro overall would i would probably be better bike to be on uh but for other trails that aren't so full of huge nasty rocks i mean i don't really (laughs) feel like i'm lacking anything on this bike uh but but just we need to move on so pedaling efficiency i think um very good on a bike this size for a bike this big and climbing like i i think it's excellent considering how much travel the bike has the pedaling efficiency and climbing is very good uh it doesn't i wouldn't dread taking this bike out to the ozark trail or somewhere and doing a big day ride with my buddies provided they're also on trail bikes and not little cross-country rockets and we're all just like casually pedaling along but it's not the idea of not having to reach for that climb switch being able to leave it open and maintain good compliance and traction while not feeling like you're you know just bobbing everywhere is a major plus now somewhere where i don't feel like it's giving me uh necessarily as much as maybe i would like are on flow trails where there's a lot of pumping for speed involved. Um, so this bike, in stock form, it's not as progressive as our old bikes were. I think it's somewhere a lot like a 19% uh, rate of progression in stock form. Um, and I don't know, we have different shocks on our bike. So my bike has the older DPX2, yours has the Float X. Um, I hear the float X is a lot better when you get deep in the stroke and you're about to bottom out than the older one. But I have found that I don't necessarily feel like it has the mid stroke support that the Trek did naturally. Um, But then again, I also put different shocks and experimented with different stuff on my Trek uh, to make it do better. But I just I don't necessarily feel like when I go over a roller and I pump into this bike that it rewards me. It doesn't reward me any more than my Trek did. Um, and maybe even potentially a little less when it comes to to that sort of thing. But I certainly I can't tell you that there's any noticeable like improvement there over the bike I used to have. Sure. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or care. Do you even know what your shock is set at? No, I have no idea. No, Do you I, know I, what your air I, pressure is? Uh, off the top of my head, I think I'm I think I'm at 195 now, maybe 200. Okay, so you, you have a rough idea of your PSI, but you have no idea where your clickers are at? No, no. You idea. have no idea what volume spacer is in the shock? I, I, absolutely not. 
Now, it's not that I don't care. Uh, it's just that I set it. So I set it for my first ride. I adjusted it for my second ride. I adjusted it for my third ride. And then I think I kind of settled into a pressure where I can knock the O-ring off the bottom of the fork if I hammer on it on a big face jump or smash down on a landing as hard as I can. But I don't ride that stuff as often as I would like. Um, and so on the trail, the bike feels really good. I'm, I'm way, I'm, I'm nowhere near knocking the O-ring off on typical trail riding. And I don't, I don't have the patience to mess with the bike every time I ride somewhere specifically for the place I'm riding. So I, whatever it was, I got it set up to, I got it set up to, and I've had four or five rides on it since then. And it's, I'm happy with it. So I don't mess with it. Okay. Well, <laughs> and you haven't really taken it anywhere super rough yet. Have you? Mm-mm. No, I've done. So wherever I, I Matson's probably the closest and it was, you know, it, I absolutely loved the bike at Matson, but, um, yeah, no, Matson and our, when Matson and Klondike were probably the roughest places I've had, but I haven't had it to Shepard. Right. So one thing I found though, I don't, so I guess now's a good time to talk about the cascade link. So when I first got the bike, took it out when it was bone stock, I, that DPX2 has about 11 or 12 clicks, maybe 11 clicks of low speed compression that you can play with. When I got the bike, I set it up. I actually run, this is a major difference. So this bike, I only run maybe like 25% sag. Uh, And I feel like that's, the bike is actually happier riding higher in the stroke because the rearward, the axle path on these bikes, it's kind of like a C shape. And about the first third of the travel or more goes slightly rearward. And then it starts to come back around forward in the later part of the travel. And that that rearward axle movement, dude, it's no joke. So the, I remember there's a section at Shepherd Mountain, and everybody who's been there knows this. If, if you go from the top of the hub and go straight, like you're going into Cannonball Mineshaft, you take off, you drop off the hub, you pedal a couple times, you cross kind of the old Jeep Hummer Road, and as soon as you cross that, there's like a, it's not super gnarly, there's a there's a pretty easy line through it, but there's kind of a rock garden right there that you're going to hit it every time. I've probably hit that rock garden at this point, I don't know, 200 times. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like... I bet I have at least 200 times through this one line. I mean, and I hit it in the same spot every time. I know exactly what it's going to feel like when I go through there. I hit it at almost the same speed, same line. I am within a quarter of an inch every time of where my tires were the last time. And the very first time I went through that, I could not believe how fast I came out of it. Because my old bike, if if it, I out at Shepherd, I have to run more tire pressure than I really want to, and the old Trek slash, uh, it definitely was a bike that it performed better in basically every way if you ran it with that over thirty percent sag. Like if you ran it closer to thirty three, it would be night and day better than if you ran it at twenty nine. I know that seems like splitting hairs, but I'm just telling you, it was very noticeable uh just it small bump compliance cornering everything was a lot better running more sag so 
I felt like it was pretty good going through there. Well, first time on the Stumpy, I went through that section and I just went through it like it was smooth and came out of it with a way more speed than I was used to because it's like the rear wheel wasn't getting hung up on the rocks. They weren't slowing it down. It's like it just soaked it up. I couldn't believe it. And um, it felt like my tire, you know, like if you were running like five PSI less in your tires than you're supposed to. Um, so anyway, I love that part of the bike. But what I didn't love is, man, I was bottoming that thing out everywhere. Like not just big jumps. It, it just was bottoming out way too easy. So at that point, it's like, okay, I either need a different shock but that's going to cost me like $500 minimum. Or I, I'm i like, okay, I'm going to try this Cascade Link thing people rave about. Cascade Link takes the progression up to like 26%, turns it into a 158 millimeter bike, but it preserves the geometry at SAG and everything. So when you're just pedaling around, it really doesn't feel any different. I can honestly say I couldn't tell. Well, I put that on the bike and I'm thinking, okay, it's more progressive now. I'm running more air pressure to have the same sag. I took it out to Shepard. And what I did was I backed off the low speed compression because I thought, well, I've got more air spring. I need to, I need to open up the compression so it'll track the ground better, braking and all that stuff. Went, rode it. And I was actually like immediately disappointed because <laughs> I felt like that small bump that that smaller bump compliance that I had, that feeling where it just like glided through these rock gardens, it it wasn't there anymore. I was I wasn't bottoming out as much, so that was good. And I was just like, dang. Well, what I have discovered with this bike, I, I was kind of at my wits' end. It's like I cannot add any more air pressure. Like it's all I'm already running less sag less sag than recommended. I'm like I'm just gonna try something. I dialed in my low speed compression. I went from one click and I went in five, like to five clicks. And I didn't change the air pressure at all. Didn't change the rebound. And I went back through that same rock garden and it felt just like it did that first time where I just like zipped through it. Didn't get like all the speed was there. Felt like butter. And I was like, holy smokes, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but what I've discovered, like, and I should have known better because if you increase the progression, the top part of your stroke, your bike has more leverage. What was happening was, even though I was in, had a, wasn't running much sag, is I was still sagging once you got into the bumps. It was settling too deep into the stroke. So I, I actually stiffened it up another two clicks after that. And it made the bike feel way softer because it was riding in that softer part of the, the stroke with that rearward axle path. And I was like kicking myself. So now not only does it feel softer on the little bumps, but when I'm pumping, when I'm pedaling, I have more support uh, without losing. It just, I was so mad at myself, but apparently this is a bike that like, if it feels harsh, stiffen it up. <laughs> Um, whereas That's the Trek was the opposite. Like the Trek was totally opposite. If it felt harsh, I'd check my sag. And if it was, 
if it wasn't more sag than 30%, I was letting air out of the shock. You know, but this one's like the opposite. It it wants to ride high, and man, that is where, at least for small bump compliance traction, it's actually way happier up high in the stroke. Uh, so if anybody has one of these and gets a cascade link, like, don't soften up your shock because you think that'll help you not bottom out or that you because you think you have that extra help like leave it stiff and just you get the best it just it's better in like every way except for and this is something i think the trex did better no ifs ands or buts about it uh coming in to fast steep braking sections i do feel like the trek that rear wheel stayed on the ground and grab traction under braking better than this these bikes do. I I wonder if that's just the ABP. And it might be. I mean, that's kind of what they designed it for, right? <laughs> Stay active under braking. That was all the like the all the, the you know the end all claim to fame for for Trek for the ABP was exactly that. Well, I mean, there's I don't I think from what I feel like that's. That's no BS. Like, that was a real thing now that I've ridden something that doesn't have that. Um, it's not a, it's not such a huge difference that that uh, it's not worth the trade-off. But, um, yeah, I do think that was a very real phenomenon that Trek kind of had dialed. Um, but I think this bike, I make up for it in the fact that it's much easier for me to carry speed across really bumpy. Think rocks that are three, four, five inches, you know, three inch sticking up. Just the kind of stuff that's kind of juddery and it wants to rob you of speed, but it's hard to pedal because there might be a bigger one to the side and you don't want to pedal strike. I just feel like this bike glides through that stuff and holds its speed better. Um than my slash did now one thing yeah. moving on that i don't think is any better um like i said i i had a megneg can and then i switched to a float x2 i think the trek i was able and i don't know if it's because of the geometry or the kinematics or if it was because i upgraded the shocks so it's not really a fair comparison but i do feel like i was able to take on harder like g outs big hits big chunk at high speed i feel like the shock on the trek or at least the rear end uh it just it just had a little more reserve down deep in the travel but like i said that could be because the shocks i had on it um i wonder what this bike would be like like if i had your shock that has that better bottom out bumper and all that good stuff I was going to uh, say that was something that I've noticed on my bike and not that I've ever had a problem with, you know, bottom out or anything like that, but I have knocked the O-ring off the bottom of my shock multiple times and never knew it while I was riding. Like I would have to, I, I could never feel it. I felt like the bottom of the bike was just completely endless and I would have to look at the shock. I'm like, Oh, Holy cow. I must've bottomed it out earlier. And I had no clue. I mean, it was, it, the bike felt really good deep in the travel. Yeah. Um, so that might be just a shock difference. Maybe someday, you know, in the future, I might try to find like a lightly used float X2 from somebody who's like got a takeoff or whatever and, and upgrade that way. Um, 
What or is Rock Shocks? I don't even what, think I need a Flodex too. Right. I'd say what what is Rock Shocks? Uh, what's what's the Rock Shocks highest end? It's it's not the Vivid anymore. They used to do uh, a Vivid Air. What is their be, It's it's the Super Deluxe Ultimate. Um. So, it it just it looks like their normal Super Deluxe, uh, but it has a dial. You can you can do low speed compression, low speed rebound. You can put the bands in all that good stuff. And then I think it might also have a climb switch, but RockShox does not make a, at least, I don't know if the old Vivid was like this, but I've never seen anybody with a Vivid in my life uh, since I started mountain biking. No, the, I mean, the, the Vivid, Vivid was, don't use it. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, that's, I mean, the Vivid was out of vogue. I don't know, probably five, six years ago. Like by you know, by the time you were deep into mountain biking, the Vivid had already come and gone. Now they still make it. I mean, it still exists, but I don't, I don't know why. Well, one thing I do know about, so I could maybe put a bigger volume spacer in my shock, but with, but you're not supposed to. <laughs> like it would fit, but Fox says don't do it because it'd be too, like there'd be too much compression. So I'm not gonna do that. But yes, RockShox, the 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 Super Deluxe Ultimate, um, I think would probably be pretty good. Although people say it's not as plush, uh, but you could put a Megneg can on that thing, and if you want to make those RockShox shocks never bottom out ever, and unless you huck off a twenty foot building to flat, you can set them up that way. But I found because I had that for my slash. I found that that negative chamber is so big that it almost just makes the top part of your stroke dead. I mean, it it sucks the it sucks the shock down so much that it it almost gives it kind of a dead feeling. Um, it's very stable and predictable, but man, it's almost too much uh, for my taste. It it almost feels like it just it's like you have to open the rebound way up, but the problem is down in the bottom part of the stroke that you get when you land hard. If you have that rebound that open, you just bounce. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm actually pretty happy with it now that I realized I can dial in the compression a lot, and the bike will be feel better. So that's helped a ton. Um, I'd say let's see what's next on here. I uh, already kind of covered in big fast chunk. Um, it's kind of similar. Uh, this bike definitely feels better in the smaller chunky stuff, but the really big, hard hitting chunky sections, I can't really tell any difference. I think it's kind of even wash. Uh, low speed technical sections, again, to me, kind of an even wash. Um, I don't really feel any better on this bike than I did my old bike uh, in like in that kind of stuff. So again, for the locals, if you think about the bottom third of Cannonball, uh, where you get into those, it's like off camber and it's not, it's real big chunk and you're just tiptoeing through there. I, I don't think this bike's any better than the old bike. Um, and the other place, it's kind of a wash. Uh, I think jumping, for me, uh, the only thing that's better about this bike about jumping is I can get the seat post lower. But as far as how the bike feels on takeoff, 
that's a big deal though and all that like it's uh i i don't think it's any better like the the big jumps coming down through the bottom of of mineshaft and cannonball and all that stuff i don't think anyone anyone who's on an old trek slash should not feel like they're missing out on anything i think it did it was just as good it felt very natural um it never you know that slash never wanted to throw me over the handlebars so i think i don't know that's kind of it for my comparison to the old bike um anything you want to add there I mean, we both rode really nice bikes. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, you know, it, it's not surprising that, you know, our current $6,000 bike is not wildly different in every way possible from our last $7,000 bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like it's, it's not that it, 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 they're all, they're all good bikes. I, the biggest thing for me is I just like how I can just get on this bike and ride it. I don't have to think about climb switches. The seat gets plenty far out of my way for doing anything I wanted to do. I think all around is a better all around around bike um i think it's I, I i like it way more i mean it's you know it, it's something that it, it, you know obviously it's been a long time of me riding the same thing so i mean it's there's it's different in so many ways um but i'm super happy with it i mean i i, I can't wait uh, i can't i can't wait to see what they do next but i mean I'm, I'm i'm happy to be riding this bike for the next year or two is there anything you would you know if you could just get it for free is there anything you'd like to change on this bike that you haven't already changed? Like if you I, could, if I, if I could get it for free, a mullet. I would. I do. I mean, like if somebody wanted to offer me a wheel, a tire, or you know, like a whole mullet setup, uh, and uh, and the link just to set up as a mullet to see how it does. Like I'd. I I am still very mullet curious. I'm I'm nervous to do it because I like how the bike feels now, but I'm still very curious. Yeah. I would definitely like to try it with a newer shock that has a little better bottom out control. Um, for racing, I wouldn't trade off more bottom out control for the top end plushness that I have right now, because I think for racing, you know, carrying speed through that kind of stuff, that's everything. And you're not really, you're not doing big hooks. Um, you know, what I'm saying like, right. Racing and enduro, generally the courses don't have some huge hook to flat or like that kind of stuff where it would, where you're, where you're just over and over, like chucking the bike off of things and landing hard. Um, but you know, a newer shock, like the one that's on your bike, heck it might be better in both ways, or it might be just as good. In, in the little stuff and better on the hard landings. I, I, I can't imagine my bike getting any better. So, I mean, carbon wheels. <laughs> I want carbon right. wheels. Uh, I, I'm a snob. Which, I miss my carbon wheels. Which, those are only better for certain things. I don't think they're better in every way. I don't think uh, going downhill through rough stuff really fast that they're better. They certainly, well, at least the carbon wheels we had transmit a lot more harshness back to your hands than the aluminum wheels on the maintenance side of it too is that you can do that far more without ever having to put a spoke wrench on it oh yes that's true i'm with you there all right um last thing you've got your stumpy evo you've got your dirt jump bikes 
Um, if you could have, forget your dirt jump bikes, just mountain bikes. You can have a two bike quiver. All right. Okay. And it doesn't have to be the Stumpy Evo and another bike. It could be a bigger bike and a smaller bike or the Stumpy Evo and another bike, whatever. But you're making your two bike quiver. Are you are you going to keep the Stumpy Evo as one of those bikes? Or and I'm I'm saying this hypothetically, like don't don't overthink like, oh, I wouldn't want to spend the money or whatever. Like, but if you could have any two bike quiver, do you keep the Stumpy Evo as one of those bikes or do you swap it out for two different bikes? No, I mean, I'm I'm fortunate enough in that, you know, we 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 do okay enough to where I can have multiple bikes. And so I, I think honestly, some variation of the exact two bike mountain bike quiver that I have now is what I would be. So it would, for me, it would be stumpy Evo and then a hardtail 29er single speed. Gotcha. And I would like, I mean, I'd like to try the enduro, the specialized enduro or a bigger bike like that. Um, but man, overall, I mean, I just don't, even with shepherd mountain existing, the, the, the thing about shepherd mountain is, there's big gnarly stuff, but overall it's not a really high speed place. There's not these like long, fast straightaways with like 10% grade that just stretch on in a straight line forever where you're going like 30 miles an hour. Right. And, and I think that's where an enduro or on cannonball, at least the top part of cannonball. Yeah, it would be better, but for all the other stuff on the mountain, kind of like eh. so i now that i have one of these things i think let's say time came to sell this bike and i was going to get two i don't know that i'd go any bigger uh and this would probably be i think i would just keep the stumpy evo as my big bike like this is my big well, bike. Is, I mean, like, a stumpy evo with downhill tires and a zeb i mean what you know what you know what else could you really have and, be desiring and you know what else I, I will say to people? Um, I had this Zeb as a 170 on my Slash. I've lowered it to 160. Hand on my heart, I cannot tell the difference at all. Like, I, I honestly think the only real advantage to going to 170 or 180 or whatever is if you want to change the geometry. Like, if I want the, you want the front end ride height to be higher or something like that. But as far as like, how does it soak up the bumps? How does it handle landings? I do, I cannot tell the difference in performance one bit. Like, absolutely zero. Uh, lowering it to 160. I still have never bottomed it out. In fact, I took out a volume spacer the other day because. I'm probably robbing myself of some even better feel because I've probably never come within 10 millimeters of bottoming the thing out. So I guess that's it for our stumpy review. I think Kyle's up on a, uh, a hard time, time crunch here it's actually went longer than I thought. So if you have any questions, send us a holler. Okay. MTB at gmail.com. Hey, this is sponsored by yours truly. Um, financial group. Hey, don't laugh, man. Gotta, gotta pay the bills, right? Mountain biking is expensive. And in order to make sure 
that you can afford to do it well into life, uh, you need to have a financial plan. And I'm your guy. I want to. I want to be the financial guy for mountain bikers all over. So you can give me a call 573-747-4272. Email me at ksylvie at moneyconcepts.com. And we'll get together. We'll meet wherever is convenient for you. We can meet out on the trail or you can meet me at the office. Reach Financial Group is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. All securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. Kyle, any final thoughts before we get this thing over with? No, I just want to get back to riding my bike. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's probably <laughs> what we should have done this morning, honestly, instead of recording this thing. I should have come up and met you for a ride. I can't ride right now anyway. That's my point. Is that like it's 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 currently six it's gonna be sixty-two and sunny today in December. Uh it's gonna be seventy-two and sunny tomorrow somehow. And my kid's getting a new bike for Christmas on Saturday, and I can't ride this weekend. Oh man. Yeah. I'm a bum. I'm gonna go see Spider-Man today instead of riding. I should have ridden, but if I don't go see that movie now, I'm not gonna get a chance. So <laughs> <laughs> are you are you and Hannah going? Just me. I, we have tried to get a time where both of us could go, but she's got stuff today, parties to go to and all this. And I'm like, Hannah, I'm going. Because <laughs> if I don't, it's never going to happen. Awesome. So. All right. We'll enjoy that. I'm, uh, I'm going to go cut some dirt bike trails tomorrow with the boy and then uh, probably take the boy out mountain biking Saturday. I won't be able to ride, but I'll probably try to get him and him and the, him and the mom out, him and the nice. wife out. Nice. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I hope Santa's good to you. We didn't do a podcast about what we wanted, uh, our Christmas list this year, but maybe we'll do a post-Christmas uh, what, what Santa got. brought us for our mountain bikes. There we go. All right. See you. See ya.